I am on the prowl once more as the theme song indicates. Welcome to Podcats. This is Cats. John Katzlamitis of the Las Vegas Review Journal. My column is called Cats, fittingly enough. Find it on page 3A every day and online all the time. The scene is hop, hop, hopping, folks. On this episode of Podcats, we catch up with Westgate Las Vegas Sportsbook Vice President Jay Cornegay. Smith Center for the Performing Arts President Myron Martin and New York, New York Entertainment Executive and former fantasy singer Stephanie Sanchez. Jay Cornegay is a veteran sportsbook manager in Las Vegas, beginning with his days at the Imperial Palace in the 1990s and leading to his role as one of the preeminent sportsbook directors in the United States. He talks of the proliferation of legal sports betting across the country and how that affects Las Vegas, and how proposition bets on the Super Bowl have become so popular. You're at the forefront of, a, of the industry for a long time, and uh, you guys were one of the first to have a, an app you could bet on on a phone. Uh, you've shown me how to do that, and uh, you're going nationwide with your sports Westgate brand. Uh, how, how's the future of sports betting going to be now that everybody around the country can do it in, in so many different ways? Well, I, I think it's going to uh, vary based off the jurisdiction and the, you know, the uh, the laws and regulations that would be in place. There's, you know, mobile here is obviously uh, very popular and, and very well regulated within the state of Nevada. But then you'll have other jurisdictions that will legalize mobile gaming but only on the premises. Mm -hmm. And then you have other states that only have legalized retail. They're being called on to help uh, uh, educate those who are going to be regulating sports betting around the country, right? Funny that you say that, uh, Johnny. (laughs) It's like, um, I wish I could do more of that because as we, especially as we moved into the, the Super Bowl week, you know, there's, there's so many misconceptions out there about what happens and takes place in the state of Nevada. People think that we just do anything out here, that uh, not just about sports betting, but other things as well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, for example, you know, I mean, I mean, some people, I mean, they think prostitution is legal throughout the state, which we know that's not it true. It isn't? <laughs> My line is talk, always, is yeah, a prostitution talk. if you get comped? <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, but <laughs> it's uh, it, it, they, they think that we take all these types of wagers here. And um, they, they see them on TV. They see them in other media outlets, whether it's, uh, um, you know, what song Maroon 5 is going to sing first, you know. Uh, if Mick Jagger is going to hop on the stage, you know mm-hmm. what color dress is Giselle going to wear? Bet on that, Rob, yeah, you know. yeah. And I go, no, yeah. you can't. And, and, and I actually had an FBI agent in my office about a month ago, six weeks ago, and he came out specifically to talk about those propositions with us. And uh, I informed him that those are not legal in Nevada. He came in to question you about what you're talking about and mm-hmm. thinking that they were on the board. Yeah. He didn't realize that, and he goes, wow, that's a, he goes, you know what, that's a big relief, because we were concerned about that, because obviously somebody knows what color hair Lady Gaga's going to have, and, you know, someone knows what color Gatorade's going to be in those barrels. the script for the halftime show's going to look like. Sure, yeah, Uh yeah, and uh, he was relieved, 
And uh, I was like, wow. I go, you really thought those were leaks? He goes, well, we see them all the time. You know, we see them in all these outlets. You know, and uh, I said, no. We, when was we, this? We, about six weeks ago. And for this year's. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And um, I said that uh, you know I and I and I had talked to other uh, media outlets across the country, and then there's I I would say four out of five people believe that we accept all these types of wagers here, and not only that, That's Johnny, but it, <laughs> by in huge amounts. So I heard someone took five hundred thousand dollars on the first. Uh, pitch of the game was going to be a ball. That's never happened. <laughs> I mean, in fact, but that's we take, the kind of thing that would be on the board conceivably, right? I, I've I, I, actually, Series. I've never seen that proposition on the board, but it, it, it was a it was a good prop actually. actually I would, yeah. yeah I thought that would be pretty good. NFL, yeah. just like a coin toss, yeah, the it, first I, first pass right. can it be complete or incomplete? Is, you could have a prop being the first pitch of the World Series is a ball, a strike. A foul ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, hit by pitch. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> like I it gave me some ideas there. So I think but, you should do this. <laughs> I'm not going to take a half million, but yeah. But I told I don't think them. Take a half million. I anything, go. But. Most people only take a five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars on these propositions for the Super Bowl, which by by the way, you know, are are more popular than the game these days. Uh-huh. And most uh-huh. books, not all books, but most books will certainly write more on the propositions than the game itself but uh, with limits of anywhere from 500 to a thousand dollar we take two thousand dollars on our proposition and that's pretty good mm-hmm. um, versus uh, what you see in the market others will do the same but most of them are 500 to a thousand so when, okay. when they see these stories I don't know where they they get them from you know, like social media, myth. yeah, it really, urban, urban legend, myth. yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Some people think that we invented and came up with the first proposition. That's that's not accurate um, because the refrigerator Perry proposition back in 1985 uh, happened before my time. I, I came to town uh, two or three years later, uh, but uh, our our niche in the business was. Um, developed in the late or early 90s when when the Super Bowl was really a blowout every single year mm-hmm. really boring games yeah, people strength. were just didn't NFC have any was killing the AFC ever, for, for 13 years. years in a row yeah. and uh-huh. they were all blowouts and so uh, we, we we decided to take the prop menu which was about um, I don't know 20 to 30 propositions extend that make a lot of different propositions that wouldn't be decided until later in the game mm-hmm. third or possibly fourth quarter or might might not be decided until the end of the game so we extended that 20 to 30 prop menu to you know 40 or 50 it became very you know popular and a, again where was this which resort? Imperial Palace at IP? yeah the, the, the bridge uh, prop was him scoring a touchdown right yes is that what it was yes and it, it opened up at well they opened at 100 to 1 depending on the house I, I believe uh, Barbary Coast uh, I think had 100 to 1 others might have opened up a little later again this is before my time uh-huh. this is just the stories I've heard over time <laughs> and uh, you know he went all the way down to uh, you know 10 to 1 or 6 to 1 and they people just kept on betting it and mm-hmm. uh, of course he scores, and uh, they just got destroyed on that proposition. Now, now I, I can tell you, we, we've had 
very similar uh, results on different propositions. I remember when they hiked the ball over uh, Peyton Manning's head in the very first play of the Super Bowl yeah. when the Broncos played the Seahawks. That was 60-1 to 1 for the first score of the game to be a safety. And you also get the safety itself yes. at about 6 or 8 to and, 1, whatever that, right? Oh, yeah. About we lost a healthy six figures on that first play of the game. Yeah, that was the first offensive yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many props do you have on the board right now? I'm looking up at it right now. It's a stack. We number. have 452 two-way propositions. Then, uh, you know, the regular propositions. Then you have alternative point spreads and everything like that. Um some people said we have over a thousand betting options on this Is that this right? year's game. Yeah, and uh, but the two-way propositions is about 450. You know, I'm thinking about some of those prop bets and something like the the fridge in today's game when props are so prevalent. People would be screaming at Mike Ditka in a situation like that. Like, why didn't you give it to Peyton? Peyton He's on the I take. Know, I know. I know. <laughs> right? That's what everybody was wondering. He's in fact, on the take. That, I believe that was the thought process. Uh, in the game itself, or for people that 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 made the proposition, thought that oh they're just going to give it to, to Peyton, you know, and, uh -huh. and Walter Peyton. Is uh, the proliferation of uh, sports betting across the country, Jay, good or bad for Las Vegas, and why? I, I really think it, in the long run it's going to be uh, a positive as more people are introduced to it. Mm -hmm. um, I have always argued the point uh, that people didn't come out here to make sports bets. They did it in their hometown. Mm -hmm. You've got to remember all those studies by the government, by the Bush administration that detailed that uh, the betting patterns in this country that 85, or I'm sorry, 98.5% of um, all sports bets in this country took place outside Nevada. So people were already making all their sports bets, you know, in their, in their home state, whether it was offshore, or right. through their local bookie. They, guys from New York didn't come out here to make a sports bet. Now, they came out here to enjoy all the offerings that Las Vegas mm -hmm. has to uh -huh. offer, you know, and, and uh, that's, you know, that's gonna be very difficult to emulate, you know, across the country. You know, there's gonna be some nice sports books here and there, but very small, but they mm -hmm. won't be able to duplicate what we have in this city. Are there gonna be super books across the country? Actual physical structures? Well, not, you know, you probably won't find something that's 30,000 square feet well, like we have this, here. But maybe a kiosk in a hotel? Oh, yeah. No, we, we are looking. We are uh, in, in deep negotiations with many potential partners. Um, and you will see the Superbook brand in other states. Uh, we're, we're even talking to those that haven't even legalized it yet. So hmm. Um, hmm. as with others, you'll see some, uh, some other uh, companies out there that are very, you know, well run. And... Uh, respected um, and we'll be one of those what's the limit on the mobile device for a single bet well it depends uh, you know we have certain players that uh, you know will allow pretty much whatever they want um, you know and a lot of those top-end players can bet five uh, figures um, you know whether it's a proposition or the game itself and maybe even more than that pending the player you know a guy that has a, a long history with us uh, a very very loyal customer is going to get those type of limits Newbies, uh, not so much. <laughs> we got we got to establish a relationship, kind of get to know each other a little bit. You know, you know, kind of got to go on a date or two. Well, give me two or three prop bets that are, are, are more exotic, <laughs> relatively exotic this year for uh, the Super Bowl. 
Well, you know, again, we don't take those crazy ones that a lot of people like to discuss. But, uh, and, and you're going to find out over the years, the, the, the simpler the prop is, the more action it's going to get. So when, when I talk about like Gronk's passing yards or receiving yards, you know, he, he opened like 49 and a half. He's already up to like 64 and a half. You know, huh. Brady's passing yards went from 281 up to over 300 now. Those are the propositions that get the most attention. Now, mm-hmm. those that a lot of people like to discuss and have fun with, like, for example, we got a lot of Vegas night props up this year, as you can imagine. We had mm-hmm. some up last year as well. A little bit more this year because uh, they were uh, – a lot of people like to discuss those. We'll put up, uh, like, Vegas Golden Knights playoff wins versus touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I and have action throughout the yeah, like you'll have NHL yeah, you'll have um, yes, you'll have play, you'll have action throughout the playoffs as long as the Knights are in it. Uh-huh. You know, we have uh, how many series they're going to win in the playoffs versus uh, you know maybe how many uh, field goals might be made in the game. Right. So those right. go on and on. We certainly have all the golf players up there: Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, uh, you know, Fowler's up there. Uh, we have Lakers and Warriors play on Saturday, and so we have a lot of them involved mm-hmm. in a lot of propositions. As that we know, that's going to be a very popular game when they play right. uh, the, the day before the Super Bowl. So, uh, and uh, but those are the ones that people like to laugh and discuss, but they don't get as much action as a lot of people it's think. It's interesting when you think about it. I know, and I know how you think too. You could go, you know, Steph Curry three pointers versus sacks, something like that. You know, those mm-hmm. are the kinds of. Yeah, I don't know if that's yeah. up there, but that's the kind of thing you're talking about. Oh, it was like, you know, Curry's points versus, uh, you know, how many points uh, the Lakers will have in the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, yeah. excuse me, uh, not the Lakers, the, but the, the, the total. The, or, yeah, the total points in the Super Bowls. Yeah, okay. yeah. The, but it goes on and on. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that really limits us is time. Myron Martin has announced the 2019-2020 Broadway Las Vegas series at Reynolds Hall. Jesus Christ Superstar, The Band's Visit, Mean Girls, and SpongeBob Musical are all in the series. So are Book of Mormon and Wicked, both returning to Las Vegas. Wicked especially has been an important show in the history of the Smith Center. It performed at Reynolds Hall in its very first season in 2012. We were just in, the, in Reynolds Hall listening to the uh, uh, announcement. What did you think of the response from the crowd? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I was watching the crowd. Uh-huh. How did you know, that's, land? that's what I love to do, and and uh, and I was watching the faces and the applause, and I think uh, I th- I think it really registered with the audience. And these are shows that they've come up to me and said, "Hey, can, when, when are you going to bring Mean Girls, mm-hmm. or when are you going to bring SpongeBob?" Right. And I was and, surprised uh, at how SpongeBob the reach of that uh, brand. And, uh, well, Seth Rudetsky mentioned it a hundred thousand, a hundred million. Viewers per quarter or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was um, whatever mobile, that number was. It was crazy. Yeah, crazy. What the what it does on television, and then you look at like every great pop songwriter mm. on the planet today wrote songs for that show exactly. too, which makes it really unique. Yeah, I think uh, I think once you dig into that title, it's more uh, it's more interesting. I guess that's why that uh, they're so popular as buskers in front of the uh, Bellagio fountains. That's that's uh, the SpongeBob character is one of the most popular. I think. Well, I wouldn't have known that. In the early days, um, I mean, we did a lot of begging. 
Mm -hmm. Smith Center was an unknown commodity. It wasn't open yet right. as we were planning our first season. People didn't know. Um, some producers had had other experiences in Las Vegas, good and bad, and that didn't help us either. Mm -hmm. uh, so it wasn't until that first season, and frankly, uh, it, it, was, it was the smash hit that Wicked became in that first season because because remember unlike most of the shows that are here for one week wicked here w wicked was here for multiple weeks yeah and uh it's back again well yeah but but it's but but wicked helped launch the smith center in terms of broadway mm -hmm. and i think that's when we turned the corner when producers started saying hey, we need to go to the Smith Center with this new show that's touring. Mm -hmm. And then that turned into the first national tours, the first show, the shows as their first going out, saying, let's make sure Las Vegas is a part of our stop, as as we just proved with Hamilton here right. in the last season. Mm -hmm. And we, yeah. had, we had moments in the past, too. I'm remembering the, the Kinky Boots launch here, the tour. Yeah, Las Vegas. That was a big moment for that. That was that was another one of the big moments where uh -huh. where Broadway says, not only do we love going there, not only do we love the way they take care of our artists and our shows, and we love the audiences at the Smith Center, but it's a it's it's an important stop for us on tours. But imagine what a building like that could do to launch a national tour. And, mm -hmm. And Kinky Boots helped that a lot. Do you think that the Smith Center is definitely the Broadway show destination and the, the strip is going to be Cirque Resident Headliners and the other shows? How it's going to break down? Well, I, I've been in Las Vegas a long time and I've been here long enough to know that I can't predict the future of the strip, uh, entertainment on the strip. I, I don't know. I don't know that anybody knows kind of yeah. what's going to happen. I mean, when I first started coming with my parents to Las Vegas a million years ago, it was all about headliners. Right. This mm -hmm. is where you came, and on any given weekend, you'd see Johnny Carson and Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin, and you'd see. Um, I, I saw Lola Falana. <laughs> I wish I had seen Lola Falana in the I, day. I've I, talked I, to I people who've seen Lola Falana. They said you should, you really missed something when you if you didn't. She was a, a premier show. Uh, she, show she was. She yeah. was Connie Stevens. Mm -hmm. I saw the Jackson <laughs> Five at the MGM, which oh, of course is now Bally's. Bally's. Um, yeah, I mean, and and it, well, that's what Las Vegas was about. It was about headliners, and it was about lounge acts. And somehow my dad would sneak me into lounges, and I got to see Louis Prima as a little kid. Um, I saw Lou Rawls. Mm -hmm. I saw all kinds of people in the lounges. So, so yeah, those were great days in Las Vegas. So, so we're, we're coming back to a little of that, right, with headliners and residencies like you're seeing up and down the Strip? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's an interesting, because, uh, you know, you see the marquees of, of the, the days you're talking about, and those are the biggest stars of, of the era. Yeah. We're seeing the biggest stars of the era now. They're just at a different scale. Yeah. They're playing in facilities that didn't even exist in those days. And much bigger facilities. Exactly. Yeah, the scale was, is, is completely different now. Yeah. Um, but I, but uh, to, to circle back to the point, Smith Center serves people who want to see Musical theater. Well, yeah. So exclusively now. Well, so here's the deal. Um, as you know, I, I've had my experiences producing Broadway uh, on the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, I understand how finicky tourists can be. Mm -hmm. I understand that the majority of people who travel to Las Vegas to to come and have an experience may or may not see a show at all, but but they make their decision on what they might see after they land. 
that's hard for producers uh, to do, mm -hmm. uh, to kind of bite your fingernails up until curtain time to see how many tickets you sold. Um, <laughs> that's not a good formula for Broadway, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, and here's the other thing I learned through that experience. During preview period of Hairspray, uh, we were packed because during previews, we focused on inviting locals. Yeah, and this is the 2006 production at the uh, Luxor. At the Luxor, yeah. Yeah, so for those weeks of previews, we were full, mm -hmm. and we were full with locals. It wasn't until all the locals saw it uh -huh. and we opened it up for tourists that, you know, it started to go downhill a little. What I learned is that there's a big audience in Las Vegas that wants to go and see first-run touring Broadway shows. Right. They don't want them cut down. <clears throat> They don't want what, you know, what the industry calls the tab version of shows, <laughs> right? Uh, they want to see the full thing. Otherwise, uh, they'll go to L.A. or San Francisco or New York and mm -hmm. see shows like we used to seven years ago before the Smiths. That's era. how it had to be, yeah. Right. We, we've got, other than the Broadway series, um, we've got headliners coming into the Reynolds Hall. I mean, I've seen, and I, we've seen several <laughs> of them over the years. What's your strategy there? Is it you're going to continue to have a busy... Uh, uh, schedule with people like uh, David Byrne and uh, Jackson Brown and those types of shows? Well, so, so that's a much more complicated topic. Uh, there are other places in Las Vegas where Jackson Brown or Bonnie Raitt oh, yeah. and mm -hmm. some of those people like you mentioned uh, can and often do go. Um, because of the nature of tourism in Las Vegas, um, somebody can tour through our town on a regular basis and see brand new audiences every time. Uh, that's not what the Smith Center offers. You know, Jackson Brown comes to the Smith Center and he's in awe of the plays because of the sound, mm -hmm. right? J just like people, people hear it when they sit in the audience. The difference in, of, from Reynolds Hall to other places is, is the audio quality. I mean, it sounds really good mm -hmm. here. Uh, but that doesn't mean Jackson Brown isn't going to continue uh, also performing at some of the other venues where he's been playing for years. Mm -hmm. And so concerts is a little more complicated. Right. You, you remember how excited I was when we brought Ringo Starr. I, I was pretty excited about that too, yeah. Yeah, to have a Beatle <laughs> on our stage. It I was mean, all, the, all the headlining shows I've seen in here. But, well, we had John Fogarty on the opening night, yeah. who was wound up at, at Encore Theater, yeah. but, uh, and uh, the Venetian before that. That's a pretty good example of somebody who's played both sides of this. Yeah, and, and, the, and by the way, there's a Broadway example. We brought Million Dollar Quartet in our first mm -hmm. season. Right. The folks from Harris saw it, really liked it, and brought it and, and put it in what used to be the Clint Holmes showroom yep, at Harris. Harris. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it ran successfully for a period. So, so to answer your question from, you know, what, a couple of hours ago <laughs> when we were talking about, you know, future Broadway in Las Vegas, I, I do think there are some cases where a Broadway show can come to the Smith Center first. We launch it. And, and depending on the title and, its, and, and the music and kind of how it works, that they might find a place on the Strip. But I'm not sure that that's why people come to Las Vegas, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you can see Million Dollar Quartet in Des Moines or in Omaha or in other cities around the country, why would you fly to Las Vegas to go to a casino to mm -hmm. see that same show? Right, right. Would you go to a casino... Would you go to a casino to see something like a SpongeBob or a Jesus Christ Superstar or something that you know uh, on an on an uh, open-ended run? 
That's a whole different question than if, whether those titles belong at the Smith Center. Well, I, so I think that question's been answered. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, nobody will. No, you wouldn't try and put either of those in a, in a resort. I, I don't see it. I really don't. You're a big sports fan, also. Yeah. We're, we're sports sports fans. We like our like our Golden Knights. We like our Forty Niners. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've talked to some other um, entertainment figures about the effect of the Golden Knights on um, ticket sales and on, yeah. on uh, how um, the uh, community responds to places like the Smith Center. Have you seen any adverse effect from, um, in terms of simply box office numbers or subscription numbers for, the, for um, the Smith Center as the Golden Knights have become so popular? No, as a matter of fact, uh, so far, you know, I'm knocking on wood here, uh, it's been to the contrary. Hmm. I I worry about it, right? Because people only have uh, so many nights to go out uh, in a given year. And and when we add the Raiders and, and, and the Golden Knights and others, things that are happening in Las Vegas, are we gonna reach a point where locals have more than they can possibly handle. It might happen. Yeah. Um, last season was our biggest season ever uh, in terms of Broadway ticket sales, in terms of subscription, season tickets for Broadway. Our biggest ever. Yes, it included Hamilton. Yeah. Um, but this season, uh, which we're halfway through now, uh, is stayed right on par with last year. Mm-hmm. Life is good. Now... Now, if you ask me this question in a month, um, we'll know a lot because tonight we introduce the new Broadway season. Tonight, people start renewing their subscriptions. Mm -hmm. And in a few weeks, we'll certainly know what the trend is in terms of whether or not we're going to keep as many season ticket holders as we've had in the past. But I'm not hearing anything to suggest that, no, we're not going to the Smith Center anymore because we're Golden Knights fans. Well... I'm a Golden Knights fan. Uh, I go to games, and I still come to the Smith Center all the time. Stephanie Sanchez books all of the entertainment venues at New York, New York, except for Zumanity Theater. The Las Vegas native has performed on stage since she was a teenager, and she spent nearly a decade as a singer in fantasy at Luxor. That run ended in 2009. Stephanie talks about all of that and her co-starring role in the upcoming production of Mamma Mia! at Henderson Pavilion. We're on the, uh, we still call this a Brooklyn Bridge, right? This is a Brooklyn Bridge, yeah. Yeah, right out on the stage. And we're on a stage that's called the, what's the stage called? It's a Pepsi. <laughs> you it's work, a Pepsi the stage. Pepsi stage. Cardi B will have, be yeah. happy about that because she pitches Pepsi. Pepsi right. stage right here on Brooklyn Bridge at New York, New York. And this is, and your your role in this is to program, book the stage. Right? Yes, that's what I do. I get to book all the live entertainment here right. and for the park. You be, not you park, be, but the park. Yes, and, and it's yeah the park promenade, not park MGM. Mm-hmm. That delightful little area where that, Beer House is between T-Mobile and the Strip. Right, right. But before uh, Toshiba Plaza. Before yeah, yeah. Toshiba Plaza, it's Strip, that, New York, New York, and Park. There's about twelve feet. <laughs> <laughs> The grassy knoll with no grass. The grassy knoll. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's Abraham Zapruder and the eight millimeters are playing out there <laughs> on the grassy knoll. See them. Yeah. You'll see them again and again. Epic. That's what it's I epic. do. I'm bringing it, man. Uh, Steph, we got to know you. Uh, well, first, let's 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 go this way. We. Uh, <laughs> I, I met you when you were in fantasy at the Luxor. 
I you thought we met singer. before, but okay. No, no, no. You were in fantasy. No, we wouldn't have met before fantasy at the Luxor. You were still in fantasy when I met you. Maybe it was a bar. I don't know. Yeah, you were singing in fantasy. <laughs> yes, I was. Is that not part of your bio anymore? It is. Oh, it okay. is. It is. That was my big finale for production. <laughs> Almost shows. ten years yep. with fantasy. It was. With sing and roll, and you got the nickname singer for. Yes, there were two of us in the show, Stephanie Smith and Stephanie Sanchez. Neither one of them liked our first name, so she goes by Smithy, and I am singer and to this had, day. <laughs> you had a ten-year run almost. Uh huh. Yeah. When you go back uh, and uh, and look at the show and watch it, uh, what goes through your mind? Um, now it's, a, I mean, most the most recent time I saw the show, I got to see my daughter in it, so right. it was a very emotional time. Right. I cried and screamed and hoot and hollered I was worse than any drunk I ever had to deal with <laughs> but I was um, it's phenomenal if there was I ever a relationship with closure that was it I met your daughter and I've always known her as and I met her as a little girl uh-huh. Pooper Pooper that's her Shelby to this real day, name, yeah. but Pooper Shelby yeah. <laughs> she's now at uh, full time with the X, she's ex-country right? yeah ex-country. and she also is very much like her mother and can't get enough of work so she is also in MJ Live at the Stratosphere. Okay, full-time? No, MJ. she's a swing there. Swing in MJ. And then she's full-time at X-Country. Full okay. You once told me one of the earliest uh, conversations we had, you wouldn't go topless because your mom lived in Las Vegas. My dad. My, d- my mom would have cheered me on. But Your, your father was your father. Yeah. But it, this is in the days of uh, when you were still in fantasy, you, mm-hmm. you were talking about that because that's a, not a topless role as the singer. Mm-hmm. And the other rest of the cast is topless. Now you have your own daughter doing that. What's oh. the... It's phenomenal, and I and I I approached it the same way. First of all, and foremost, the finest people I've ever worked with, mm-hmm. uh, the dancers in fantasy, and have all in my whole career has been topless dancers, and I have always been in topless shows. I've just been before it was called a bluebell, mm-hmm. and I was five foot eight and short, and then as time progressed, I was tall, and then it turned into a singer. But I had the same advice for my daughter. Um, that I did with drugs because I had never done drugs when I was a child mm-hmm. or younger I'd ever and then um, the truth is I said pooper nobody was asking nobody was asking me to go topless so it wasn't really <laughs> a great nobody was giving me drugs in high school I was a band geek so I never had to really make that moral choice so it was easy for me to say you no. prevented the peer pressure by not having any peers <laughs> yes <laughs> that's pretty much what it was and you know by the time I had something to go topless for. I was a singer, so. Wow, I hadn't thought of that. So okay. it was really, yeah, it was not a great moral choice. It was easy because my dad does live here, and it's, you know, mm-hmm. well, it was his a, choice, and she, it was a different time. Shelby's a beautiful girl and talented, way she's, talented. Isn't yeah. she just? Yeah, she's going to have a, I feel like, as long a career as she wants to have. you got to come see her next country. Yeah, I know. I do need to do that. I do need to. That's a ballad song. And that is... No, no, it's at Harris. I'm Harris, sorry. yes. Harris. Yeah, and I'll have people now that are... Because I've started with MGM 25 years ago. Resorts World, right? Mm-hmm. It was your first show. Yeah. Bob Stupak, is that right? Uh, Bob Stupak's Vegas World. That, Vegas World, yeah. yeah. Vegas World. 99 cents a show and you got your penny back. Okay. Because we had penny slots. Okay, and... I think that was a slogan. Your mom so. came to see you in that. Yeah, and I didn't get comps. He didn't get so comps. So she had to pay 99 cents because no, I couldn't be there. Explain the strategy of this to me. You, I, the first time I ever heard of this strategy, why you give somebody a penny back? Because we had penny them. slots. Okay. So you could go out there and you get them started on the floor. <laughs> it takes a penny. This was in the 80s now. Come on. <laughs> 
That's the so you, you, <laughs> the you get of, everything you can. That's the kind of philosophy on which yeah. the stratosphere was built, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's where Bob Stupak's Vegas World. Vegas was, World. Ronnie was Fabre located. was in that show. Senior Ray and Tilly. Who else? It was oh, it was a long time. <laughs> You're like 16 years I old. Had, here, I right? would. I had. I think it was 17. I had a uh, light blue powder. Like I, I didn't know how to do stage slaps. So I'd like. Eyeshadow, it was awful. Yeah. Now you're, uh, uh, we see you wearing a suit most of the time during the day out here in uh, New York, New York, at, at the bridge. And we're watching. We're loading in right now. Can you hear Loading in right now. <laughs> What's this, what are you charged with exactly out here? What, what is the. Out here on the bridge, you can see, well, you can't see, but you can see. The, um, we're loading up the virtual pub. We're starting, since it's starting to get warmer. Mm hmm. We have entertainment out here for tailgating, so every home game will have entertainment. And Golden Knights. Mm -hmm. And once playoffs start, we'll be in it for sure. We'll have viewing out here as well, even for away games. Mm -hmm. So we all have bands during the week. We have soloists up on the stage. This is a brand new stage. It's ours now. Mm -hmm. So you were here for St. Baldrick's last year. We yep. usually had this to rent is, this. This is bigger. Yeah, this is the stage where we shave our, my head. Yeah, and we will again March 9th. <laughs> Are you yeah. going to be here? Yeah. <laughs> you, you've given you up. Guys. Every year you used to say, no, I'm not. I haven't even. you just I, given I, up now. I've given up the fight. <laughs> I just want to get the hats ready. I might have to just say, just bring a car to my home and bring me over. <laughs> it's like a, like an arrest. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be it. Yeah. But yeah, that's what we do. We put the musicians out here, and if and and in all the venues inside, so it's a puzzle piece now with the park and beer house and those venues. Yeah. Your entertainment pretty. background really helps in this role, doesn't it? It's not very only helpful. Having been an interviewer, you know a lot of people. I anything. yeah, I know a lot of people, and you know, you it's something you've been in. So taking this job was, I thought, okay, I'm retiring and I'm gonna, I went to Ann Taylor and bought out the store and I'm gonna fit in this, <laughs> this round hole. And um, <laughs> it was, it, I, I did, I got a mentor. I, I took all the classes I was supposed to take. I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an executive. I'm gonna fit mm -hmm. in and the best, I hit some walls, but the best, um, Advice came from Cindy, Cindy Kaiser Murphy. Oh, the president. Yeah. She, she the called GM. me in the office and we were chatting about, because we've known each other since we opened MGM. Yeah, she's been in the so, company for yeah. quite some time. Yeah. It's, it's a friend relationship. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I'm just, I don't, I'm, I'm a square peg here. I don't know. I, I Obviously, I have to watch my language, which mm -hmm. is something I had to learn, and that's a good <laughs> lesson. But, um, I'm trying to do this because I got some advice from people that said maybe you need to stop singing so people will see you as this and not as the other. And I said, I just feel like it's not going to work. These people have known me for 25 years. If they ask me to sing an anthem, for yeah. me to say, oh, no, I can't do that. And it's you a put, little. Well, not, but beyond that, you put a band together that we saw with Losers Lounge and MGM yeah. Grand for a while. It was all. Yeah, MGM we did. I'm bringing them with me. Are you? <laughs> they, and initially, it was made up strictly of executives from MGM Properties. Mm -hmm. And we were doing it for an event that unfortunately got canceled because of October 1. Mm -hmm. And it was to happen on the festival ground. And so after that had passed, we thought, well, hey, this is fun. So we sort of just pared down naturally. And we meet weekly and work on music. And today was the first day we sort of put together our first original. 
Original so, yeah. music. That's original band. music. Yep. Well, you're a great ambassador for the company in that role, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you, people, who, people can uh, get to know the company that way who normally wouldn't get to know an executive from MGM. Yeah. I totally drank the Kool-Aid. I love the company. I love the people in it. I've known mm -hmm. them so long. And I love... I love this town because it's my hometown. So everything about it embodies what I can do. And my motto is just say yes as quick as you can because eventually you're gonna have to do it anyway. So now it's just gonna give me more time to figure it out. So the opportunity came up to do Mamma Mia and I thought, we haven't done that. That closes out another episode of Podcasts. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Frankie Moreno, for our theme song, The Biggest Cat in Town. Keep up with me or try to in the Review Journal print edition or on our website and listen to the next installment of Podcasts. Well, it's a